coming up. You would not stop asking about it. So we have seen The Last Jedi. We're going to talk about it in this very special episode of Dizpop. Dispop is brought to you by Dreams Unlimited Travel, experts at helping you plan the perfect vacation. Visit them on the web at dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Well, hello, everybody. I am your host, Rhino Clavin, and beside me, as always, here, Craig Williams. Oh, hoy, hoy. And we are here because you would not stop asking about it, and we have both seen it, Star Wars The Last Jedi. Yes. Very diversive film here. Divisive? Um, divisive. Is that the word? Diversive. Yeah, diverse. Divisive? I mean, divisive? What's the one where the audience it is... Divides. It divides. It ah, divides us. It's divisive. It was also very diversive. Yes. It was. Diverse. I would agree with that, Good yeah. for them. Lots I, of aliens. Yes, lots you know different species all around this time so um those Excellent. actually i did learn a fun fact about the species in this by the way there was a new species that was in the force awakens and apparently every time one of these species is in the movies from now on and people are going to hate this fact it is named after a beastie boys song and do i do i, do I, I even know this one i can't give you specific examples however uh one of them was an x-wing fighter for the resistance in the force awakens it's the, the ones that kind of look like ant eaters they have long flat faces mm-hmm. and um there was one uh in the last jedi uh i want to say he was a rebel he was still in the resistance but then there was one that was on the planet no that was joseph gordon levitt um the southern alien that was like i told them not to park on the beach but we'll get to that in a second anyway okay. so so we've both seen the movie let's just I'd, I'd like to just overall say that uh we both enjoyed it uh i think craig flat out you loved it yeah i mean i here's a, at the end of the day i have loved every star wars movie Nothing and then yeah and then some have just settled after some time mm-hmm. some have settled better than than others and that's okay. There is no such thing as a perfect Star Wars Everybody's movie. Everybody's gonna have their favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's and, got a different thing about this franchise they love. You yeah. know what I mean? And while some people are saying that this is their favorite one ever, I'm not gonna tell them they're wrong. Uh because you know what? What they connect to is different than what I connect to. And exactly. that's that's just the case. I, I will say this one is is very high for me. I still need to see it again. Mm-hmm. But uh barring that, I it is very it's in the top three or four for me so i have actually seen it twice because i saw it i saw it the first night and i saw it the 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 next night oh sorry um and uh i will say to anybody that was even on the fence about it or you didn't have stuff give it another shot go see it again um because i what i mean i went close together i went thursday night and then i went friday morning and i did that for the force awakens as well um but sometimes it's like I when there's a movie I'm really excited about and you see the trailers so much, you're kind of looking to spot that stuff, especially in a movie like a Star Wars movie with some really beautiful highlighted moments of, of great cinematography and uh, catchy one-liners, you know, so good to have you back and, and all yeah. this stuff. You know, you, you, you kind of sit in the movie and you're almost like waiting. It's like a checklist in yeah. my brain. It's always in the back of my brain and not everybody processes it like that. That's just me, but it gave me, it released my anxiety to see it that first time. And then seeing it again, definitely helped yeah. with that. And the world has built up such a big, uh, a big 
expectation for what Star Wars should be when really you have to go back to the yeah. origins, go back to uh, the, when George Lucas was making Star Wars, the, the first one, and he couldn't get any studio to release it because it was essentially a B-movie mm-hmm. uh, representation of some of his favorite uh, movies, whether it was uh, Flash Gordon or I believe he took a lot of the... Um, some stuff from Akira Kurosawa, mm-hmm. uh, the acclaimed Japanese director. He just kind of took his his favorite inspirations and blended them all together in Star Wars. And so it just ended up being this complete surprise smash hit. And over time, it's gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. But at the end of the day, it's just a movie. If your well, expectations yeah. are beyond what they should be, then that's... Maybe you need to rethink here's, your type of fandom. Here's the thing with that, too. You know, I've seen a petition come out that people are asking it to be stripped from the canon. That's not how it works. Yeah. You're not the author. You don't get to tell J.K. Rowling you didn't like uh, Half-Blood Prince. You know, you don't get to bring certain characters back from the dead. You know, uh, you you you're on this journey, good and bad or whatever. You know, you don't have to like every step of the journey, but you're not the storyteller. And I would actually say, and this is a fascinating thing for people, go back to the original Star Wars, like Craig said, and I would even say, like, read a little bit about even where the story originated from. Because I even read something today that I didn't even know about, which is that originally, because they were saying how Ryan Johnson's Last Jedi has kind of shifted how Star Wars is told permanently, and I didn't understand the article. I still don't 100% understand it. However, apparently, we are being... This is why it says, in a galaxy far, far away, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, is because we're being told the story is being recanted, apparently, to the wills. We've talked about this when we did the Rogue One thing, or at least I did. Um, So the blind monk makes reference to the wills, and the wills are like the keeper of like the stories of the universe or something like that. And... Originally, I guess Star Wars was called The Adventures of Luke Skywalker Saga 1, The Star Wars. And so, like, it was supposed to be, like, R2-D2 was telling the story generations later to the Wills, and that's how we were hearing it. And I was like, how the hell was I supposed to know that? <laughs> um, and then, I guess there is a there's kind of a reference to, like... C-3PO at the end of Return of the Jedi is telling some of the Ewoks the yeah. whole story, and that kind of is a bounce back to when they he said in the A New Hope he was a terrible storyteller, blah, blah, blah. But apparently this movie is saying that because of the way it's told, it kind of shifts that tone around, and, and I was like, okay, those are the people who are not going to enjoy the movie, Star Wars movies from here on out for the rest of their life, because that's... It doesn't matter that if if it was something I couldn't see and explicitly pick up within those movies, that is where the story is. I understand we love all the other stuff, and some people loved the extended legacy or whatever they refer to the books now. It's now legends, legends, the unofficial yeah. canon. You know, like uh, you know that 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 was to me that was never part of this because I didn't. We never. I never saw on screen how many children Luke and Han had. If they even had children, until the Force Awakens says they did have a child. They had one child, and he was a bad child. You know, and so for me, I just you gotta. There's got to be a point where you kind of. I understand you love it, and I. We all know I have franchises that I love too because I do love Star Wars. But you've got to like. You've got to go with the storyteller, and there are going to be ups and downs of those. One episode, one, two, and three, and like you have to go for this journey. So let's t- uh, you. We talked about overall. I liked it. You liked it. Yeah. Let's talk about the good. 
Okay. Let's Absolutely. Just, let's just run through our favorite things for me. Um, do you want to start here? Oh, I mean, I can start. Uh, I'll oh, oh, wait, 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 wait. Spoilers, by the way. Yes. We are not, we're not treading lightly here. This is going to be spoiler heavy, pretty much. Yeah, 100% spoilers. I'm not holding back on anything. You've either seen this already or you're trying to figure out why you want to see it. And, uh, spoilers just have to come up in this uh the first thing i will like and i'll just jump right into spoiler territory is they made a big shake-up by killing snoke right away oh yeah surprise not right away in the movie but yeah but right away in the sense that uh you know some people got the idea the perception that he was an emperor replacement for this new trilogy, yeah. kind of like overlording the whole like, thing. Like uh, Palpatine, Darsidious was in the others. This was the new version of that. No, he he is killed off by Kylo Ren in yeah. that, which then leads in a into pretty awesome, pretty awesome way. It literally that. leads into arguably one of the best lightsaber battle moments on screen right up there with the Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan fight against Darth Maul. Yeah, I, I would I, I would definitely argue that. Um, I thought even just visually that entire scene was pretty awesome from the moment the lightsaber goes off to Ray's hand coming up and grabbing it again, yeah. you know, and then there's a, you know, it's going to be awesome as soon as she like leans up on Kylo Ren's back and they start fighting. And this is, I don't want to like go through everything. We'll, we'll tell you a little bit of props. This is essentially going to be for people who have seen the movie. So, um, but like the guards looked cool. I thought that whole scene looked cool. And I would arguably say leads into the best scene in the movie or one of the best scenes. Um, or at least for me, one of the best parts of the story where it becomes a twist on its head of Kylo Ren, you know, she thinks she's Ray has just succeeded in getting Kylo Ren to turn to the light yeah. because he just helped her. He killed the bad guy, and then they fought together to stop the war. And then he says, "Oh no, that's not what I was doing. Like, you need to come with me. We need to get rid of everything. We need to get rid of the past. Yeah, you know, kill it, and it just leave the Jedi, leave everything behind, and we'll we will rule the." the the galaxy and that's a very that's a very heavy-handed that that has for me that was a callback to like anakin's mentality yeah. in in like revenge of the sith you know? and and so circling that all the way back around this story is in my opinion this story is about two characters it's about kylo ren and it is about ray oh a and a hundred percent and with that snoke was unnecessary it was a character that they could have come up with some finagled plot on why he needed to be more important, why he needed to stay with it. But what he played his part, yeah, he played his part. And I think that I think with this one, the entire series is at a point now where they're looking at characters and saying, we might have to create stories to keep some characters involved. And in some circumstances, we will do that. Negative parts of the film we'll get to, and in other circumstances with Snoke. He doesn't need to be a character. Kylo Ren is now the ultimate villain, and that was a perfect move. And it can be it can be frustrating too because I do. I, so um, I rewatched The Force Awakens last night, and um, I love love The Force Awakens. You know, for me, definitely one of my favorite Star Wars movies. Empire Force Awakens. We'll give you a ranking maybe at the end, but I just I I love. For me, that's the parts of Star Wars that I like the most. And this also had those parts that were missing from The Force Awakens for me, too. Like, the Empire stuff, where it's a little bit more... It's not It's not always the light side and the dark side. There is wishy-washy stuff. You know, there's arms dealers in the middle, which was an interesting thing brought up in this movie. Yeah. But it... it, it I, I, I just... I really liked 
the expectations of things like it is frustrating because you really do want to know where Snoke came from and how he think but it's do we ever really know where the Emperor came from? I mean, we do from the prequels, but we don't really know before that. But essentially, Snoke, what we needed to know is was a bad guy who got his hands on a powerful Jedi and turned his heart, and there was no saving him. And so what's going to happen from there? Essentially, it made Kylo Ren go from the kind of, you know, in The, in the Force Awakens, he had that he's being torn apart light side yeah. dark side and killing han solo was the solidification was supposed to be the solidification so he's still on shaky ground because this movie picks up immediately following the events of the force awakens and this was the final i'm tired of standing on yeah. shaky ground i am taking my place in the universe okay and just to clarify even further with uh, all that that you said too this star wars even though legends has been basically ended there is the new the new canon of star yeah. wars that not only conclude, includes all the movies, the the nine movies mm-hmm. that will be in the trilogy plus Rogue One, Solo, everything everything that's made from this point now essentially is canon. So yeah. Star Wars Rebels, uh, that canon, is yeah. that is canon. That's ending after this one, but it's been such a success for them. I don't think it's the last time they're going to do an animated show. Oh, they're still they're writing on that sh- the t- the actual yeah. Netflix show or not the Netflix the streaming show yeah. for their. There's the there's still a ton of books coming out all the time. One just came out about Captain Phasma in the past couple months. Well, and there was one about Leia, too, and yeah. I just read Bloodline. about it called Leia, right? Uh, they had Bloodline. That was the one that really focused on Leia before Force Awakens. Okay, because there is one that I just read about that the character of Laura Dern's character, who you might be like, where did this lady come from? She's a main, she's a character in that book, and Leia meets her, and they actually are on the planet crate at one point in that movie, and that's how okay. they knew where they were going in this movie. And I was like, hmm... I don't like necessarily yeah. maybe how heavily it re- not necessarily relied on you knowing that. I mean, I appreciate that that was in a book that came out before this, but it was one of those. It felt a little weird in the movie, but that could have just been from editing. Yeah, I forgot they did release two or three books that all came out previous to the movie coming out. Yeah, so that that could have been one of them. I didn't look into those ones yet, uh, but. Yeah, there's plenty enough. So if you want to know what Snoke's story is, and enough people are wanting to know, I'm sure one day Disney is going to make, Disney and Lucas are going to make the idea uh, into some other series of book. I still want to know what the heck's happening with the Knights of Ren. Well, here's, you, I, I, so. exactly. And now as rewatching The Force Awakens, I was like, that's a big mystery that I was like, oh, no, 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 don't you dare leave this one out. This yeah. has to be resolved. Because my thing is, are they all dead? Or yeah. are they out there still? And that didn't answer this explicitly. And so I do love that J.J. Abrams is coming back in because some stuff, the stuff that wasn't completely turned away from can still come back around. Yeah. And, you know, you see them in the four stream. He's leading them. So I they could be just dispersed in the galaxy for all we know. Um, but uh, I, I just lost my train of thought. You just said something that reminded me of it, and I, it was gone for a second. Well, maybe it'll come back. Do we want to go on to either Finn or Laura Dern? Okay. Um, well, we were talking about our pluses. Um, let's let's just bounce around. Let's okay, okay, okay. Right. So well, then let's bring it back to what Craig said about characters having to take. Um, in order to keep characters in, they have to kind of fabricate. Uh, moments for them. So I had read um, prior to the Force, uh, the Force Awakens, uh, to uh, actually, yeah, I think it was prior to the Force Awakens even being released. Um, and we knew that Ryan Johnson was the confirmed director for the next one. Whenever we found that out, I had heard that he had written a script already and that it involved two new characters. And I believe Rose was one of those characters. I don't know the names of the characters. I just know there were two 
female characters that were in it and that they were going to kind of take that Ray, Finn, and Poe would be secondary characters in the next movie. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's an interesting choice because, you know, in the other trilogies, it's none, no character ever took a secondary step back, yeah. you know? Um, and so uh, Force Awakens came out. I think Disney kind of was like, no, these are our main characters of this story. You know, these are going to be our characters. And so I do have this feeling when watching The Force Awakens that, and we can talk about the character and stuff, but I felt like Finn was a character that uh, Ryan Johnson wasn't going to have in this movie and didn't really know what to do with necessarily and maybe didn't even want to write that character into the movie. And so, therefore, the scenes with with Ray, uh, with Ray, with uh, with Finn and Rose feel very, like, it just feels like a separate movie almost. Like, it's yeah. a little contrived and... And one of the big arguments is, like, for me even, I, I didn't like Finn's character in this movie. And I love Finn. I love Finn from The Force Awakens. And in and, and this movie, he just didn't do anything for me. Even his – you see it in the preview. when I thought it was going to be a big moment when he faces off Phasma again. And I was like, okay, it's coming around. He's fighting back at the, the Empire. And, and, and this is going to be, you know, him standing back up to them and being afraid. But they kind of just rewrote him the same way where he was trying to desert again to go save Rey and then run. And I was like, I thought we were over this, buddy. And and that's my feeling on it. And yeah. I know you have your feelings about him, too. Yeah, I, I do. I, I enjoy the character, but I feel like The Force Awakens truly did basically end his story. Uh, that he didn't have a place. with. Whereas with Poe... He wasn't even he wasn't supposed to be as big as he was in the Force Awakens. I, know, I think that every he's time evolved. I watch it, yeah, he is completely evolved now to the point where he is back, kind of in that that main whatever you want to call it. It's still regardless. Yeah, it's the story of Rey and Kylo Ren. Everyone else is just supporting in that. Yeah, and uh, it, it's and, a, it's a story about the I, I, about like the 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 resistance, you know, as a whole. And then specifically Kylo Ren and them. So like yeah. these characters who are part of the resistance are sprinkled in and then it's these real focus on those two. Yeah. Yeah. But with, with Finn, it was just, it, it was kind of, it, his story had a nice logical ending despite the fact that he tried to fight Kylo Ren and oh, nearly died doing yeah. it. Sliced right uh, up the back with yeah. a lightsaber. But know. besides that, he was kind of at an end. He, he overcame his problem, which was, I don't want to, you know, I want to run. And then instead he stayed. Stood up and, and fought. Yeah. He fought. He suffered for it. But so then the only real thing that I could saw see in this movie, based on how it ended up being, he either could have this side story with Rose, mm-hmm. which he did, and I don't mind it, or he could have been a background character in the resistance and just kind of essentially like Billy Lord was, where she's just in the background doing stuff, helping the ultimate cause that Poe's trying to fight yeah. with, but not uh, being a major character. We did have this discussion uh, before we recorded this, uh, a couple the day, yeah. the morning after I saw the movie. And um, so when I went back and rewatched Force Awakens, I'll tell you this is what I was missing, too, from it. Because I, I didn't know when we were – I wasn't remembering it. Um, you always have these characters in these movies that kind of pair off with each other. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you, you love the chemistry those characters have together. Poe and Finn had a chemistry and to the point where they've been shipped as a couple. You know, that we wanted Poe yeah. and, and them to be together. And we're like, we don't know. It could happen. It's, you know, we don't know that there aren't gay main characters in this in this series and stuff. And um, 
it i i just i they're never really together in this movie and no. i felt like that was a shame to me because i think i think that's another part of that I that agree. was disappointing yeah. and one of the things about the force awakens that that i thought was so charming is also when ray and uh finn meet each other he's he doesn't know what he's doing he's just trying to do good and she doesn't even need his help really like they need each other but in not the conventional way where like he you know he gets knocked out wakes up and it's like oh my god are you okay and she's like yeah like that's one of my favorite parts of the movie because i just love that like she's like yeah of course i'm okay like and it's just like it shows how pure his character could be and how you know it's he's just trying to do the right thing and and i i see what you're saying too this his his story came full force excuse full that circle pun, too full circle and in the force awakens and i think it was up to the director to create a new story for him where he did feel a part of it and if not then he should have been essentially like lando was in return of the jedi you yeah. know what I mean? Lando had a big part, but we did, We still wanted to see Billy D. Williams. And so I, yeah. I would have been okay with that, I guess. I just kind of didn't like – he seemed very angry the whole yeah. movie. And I was like, that's not he. That's not really like who he is yeah. in the first one. I and, and my point that I brought up to you was if, if they kept him as a background character, people would have complained. They created this side story for him. People haven't really been receptive to it. Yeah. It just uh, regardless, went on too long. Yeah, they, they weren't – it was going to affect someone in some way, uh, but you know Finn's still around for the ride, so that's well. What did you think good. of the new character then? Because we've mentioned I Rose, like Rose a whole bunch, you know. I do like Rose. I did not like Rose. Um, I uh, didn't. I absolutely like hated her the first time I saw the movie. Uh, by the end of it, uh, for the exact opposite reasons that you like her, like you thought she was good, I thought she was a terrible actress. And then I saw it again, and I was like, all right, it's not that bad. She just fed some of the cheesy lines, and she does have what I don't like, which is expositional dialogue repeatedly. She has it multiple times because she's – it falls on her to explain what Canto Bright is, the the casino planet. It falls on her to kind of explain the arms dealer stuff. It falls on her. So she's got a couple moments that feel a little heavy-handed or or like – I don't know. It's just the way it's spoken. It just – it didn't click with me. I, I appreciate it more the second time. My thing is, again, I think her story was too long. I'm not I, – I, I and I just didn't care for the created love triangle. If there is even a love triangle, we don't know that for sure at this point. But when she, like, you do it for the things you love and she kissed him, she could have just been kissing him. I don't know. You know, but I, I didn't like that. Um I don't I'm not against her returning. I just I her sister's storyline too in the beginning went on for it made the opening of the movie a little bit longer than it needs to be where she's kicking the remote, kicking the remote, trying to get the remote to fall. So three kicks, then the remote falls, then it misses her, and then she's got to reach down and grab the remote and you're like, "Oh my gosh." Like that could have been like about 45 seconds shorter and it would have been fine. Um I I mean, I don't get me wrong, I do love seeing the rebels you know, I don't like seeing them die, but I like seeing them go all the way for something they believe in, you know? And yeah, and with that, you know, I, I feel the same way too. There was many places in the movie that could have been trimmed just a little bit, but you know, some, some people have a different idea of building the suspension than others do. I would have, I would have liked, I would have been in favor of, you don't even have to change the runtime of the movie. Trim that. Give me more of Ray and Luke together on the island. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that too. But I overall, I felt like she is a character that will have a lot of promise in the future I hope. because a lot of her, a lot. I, I feel like a lot of her core belief system is like what she kind of had one monologue about in there, and her belief in the resistance and and good in the in the 
Well, she came in from like a labor world, camp or yeah. something like that because she said she was on a planet where they mined for ore. And, and, and so her character did introduce stuff that I am interested in that they've never really touched on before, like the people that build this stuff, you know, and the kind of the enslavement of other uh, species and, and aliens and stuff like that. And, and then it brought in Benicio del Toro's character, which I did think was pretty – it was fascinating to me because he's good yeah. or bad. I mean, he might be bad right now, but he wasn't all bad. You know, it was a – he was he was essentially like Lando, but only took the left instead of the right when Lando went to the right. You know? Exactly. No, and I, I agree with that, too. Benicio Del Toro, fantastic, uh, is DJ in this. Yeah. Laura Dern, that's, that's questionable. And I don't know. You know, I love Laura Dern. We all yeah. love Laura Dern, you know, uh, but it's just... It, it Her character kind of came out of nowhere, and I was okay at first with it kind of being like she was the successor. Maybe she was going to be Leia's successor, you know? Um, and But it just kind of didn't really pay off. I did think her character's got a great moment at the end when she light speeds. Like, I thought that scene yeah. was beautiful looking. Oh, it was uh, gorgeous. Yeah, when it goes through the ship and it goes through the other ships, and they just have that moment of silence. And um, I thought that was really, really cool. Uh, it just, like, when she's got that scene where she's talking to Leia... I, I've said it before, and I said it the second time I saw it. Uh, it just feels like the character is like they didn't know they were being filmed, and they were kind of just talking. Yeah, and it and not in the good natural way. It feels a little like it felt like a fan of somebody saying goodbye to that person. And you know, again, I, I've read another article about this too about how this movie has taken on new contexts, like different scenes. Had Carrie Fisher not passed away, would we be reacting to her stuff the way we are reacting to her stuff? And I'd say no. I'd say the scene between her and Luke would be different, and the scene between her and Laura Dern would feel different too. Yeah, I. The other thing too with Laura Dern's character, I feel like, it, I feel like it ended up being a situation where they had this role that. Laura Dern may have approached, and I don't know this at all. I feel like maybe she approached them saying, I would really love to do something in Star Wars. Yeah, and, and they were like, they were we, like we'll, well, write you apart. Exactly. And we'll give you this character because I feel like they didn't need a marquee actress to be this. And the, the discussion about whether or not her character was important wouldn't be a debate if it wasn't a marquee where's, actress. Where's Grand Moff Tarkin? Where's she at? I'd say, well, it's. I'd Did say. she die in one of the other movies? Well, you know, you're talking about Mon Mothma. That's what Grand I meant. I'm sorry. Tarkin I'm sorry. Grand Moff Tarkin is definitely he's dead. dead. <laughs> I meant. I meant. I'm sorry. Yeah, because uh, she was in Rogue One, and yes. you know, and but, she was in Rogue One, but that was before New Hope. She was in Return of the Jedi, but I don't know what she's been doing. That's been 30 years since well, Return well, of the Jedi. See, and that's what I'm thinking is like maybe she should have stepped in as an, an old woman, or like what you said. Like I don't necessarily that wasn't a marquee actor, but it yeah. was you know is like a character or it's like kind of how Admiral Ackbar showed up in Return of the Jedi, but then we loved him, you know, it should have been something yeah. like that. It, it, aside, I feel like they could have just casted nobody as this character yeah. who's going to step in and it was the, almost distracting. Yeah. And that I would, that's absolutely, yeah. absolutely the point that I, I would make of it. It was kind of distracting having a marquee name being in there and, but maybe for the average person who doesn't watch every movie, they don't know Laura Dern outside of Jurassic Park. And yeah, that's true. That's it. So maybe it's not the. And she looks uh, a lot older than when she was in Jurassic Park. She, she a still looks good. Twenty she still looks year good, old. Though, so yeah. yeah. So maybe they don't even pick up and recognize like we do as nerds. So I'll even kind of I'll, I'll play along with that a little bit. But uh, 
so kind of going off some of the other things she does, the big thing people are saying about it is, well, Finn's whole storyline of having to leave off and go find the the master the code breaker, code breaker yeah. is it could have been solved if she would have just told uh, told Poe the plan of but, what they were doing. That's also not chase. how like resistance works. The leader doesn't tell everyone the plan. You know what I mean? Yeah. But but at the same time, I am like, well, why not? Why not tell them that plan? You know, it, it just, it was a, th- that Codebreaker thing bugs me a little bit because it just seems like that ship that they took could go to light speed and get away and then come back at light speed. Why weren't more people on the ship? And then they were like, well, it's, and then, then there is another moment in the movie where I have questioned the science and it's stupid to do that in Star Wars, but they say like why couldn't the why why wasn't the first order able to catch up with and they say it in the movie where why they weren't able to catch up with the resistance was because they're lighter and faster and i was like it is outer space it doesn't work that way like it all it needs is one engine so i i'm just like if your engine is more powerful you have no weight in outer space right isn't that how space works but I don't yeah. know. I'm not a Star Wars scientist, so I don't know. But yeah. anyway, that's that's here nor there. You're thinking that's me a little too much too, but, now, yeah. But I did hear that line the next time, and I was like, mm, oh, now I'm always going to be thinking about that for the rest of my life. But um, it doesn't matter. But, but I do agree. It did feel like their side plot was very convoluted because it was kind of like, should they really have left? Should they not have really left? I did like Poe's storyline because I did like that they were, you know, they even addressed this in the last movie that he is very hot headed. Yeah. And this was kind of Poe really coming into himself as a leader. And I feel like they set him up to maybe even yeah. be the leader of the resistance by the end of the movie. You know? Oh, absolutely. And I mean, yeah, it's with, he has that trigger happy, uh, trigger happy pilot attitude the entire way through. And what is great about it is you see in after the first sequence, the bombing of the, uh, the, the dreadnought, I believe, yeah, I think is that's what it's the called. dreadnought, yeah. the big, the biggest ship that they have in their fleet beyond Snoke's, I believe. But you, you have, you have Poe doing a dumb mission where they wipe out all of their bombers and most of their fleet mm-hmm. just to try to take down this one ship, making the complete wrong call and questioning all of his of it, decisions. Yeah. yeah, it screws them over completely. But he feels like he's accomplished something. So then his next step is. Well, I'm going to try to do this mutiny and overtake Laura Dern's character because I don't think she's making the right decisions. Again, a deci- because he had this whole side plot going along also with the Master Codebreaker and hopefully uh, turning he's, off he's their, the time their tracking yeah. system. And if that would have worked, if they could have turned off the tracking system, which they obviously don't, they get caught in the middle of which it because DJ enjoy. sells like them out. That. Yeah. Uh, if that would have worked, he would have been. And another, in another sense, he would have been a hero for that temporary time, but instead fails once again. And, it, and I like that because it's kind of like not every time do you go off and be the rogue can you be the exactly. can you be the can you be the hero? And in know? this case, in that case, he thought about both sides. With the bombing, he only thought about one thing. Yeah. With this one, he thinks about both sides. Still fails. Finally, gets on crate, and then finally makes a good decision yeah. as a leader. And after learning from Leia and Laura Dern's character, he finally makes that that transition into being a better leader. And I really like that he had serious development with that. Oh, yeah. It was definitely his time to shine in this yeah. this thing, too, for sure. Um, yeah. And, and, and I think uh, that, like we already said, I think they're really setting him up to kind of be maybe her successor. 
Um, we do have to talk about, because uh, Pete didn't like this part, uh, but, and my issue in this movie was, they really kind of made Leia invincible. How are they going to take yeah. care of the character for the next movie? You know, it is up to J.J. Abrams to do that, you know, and that's fine. What did you think when she was in outer space and started flying through space like the flying nun? I, it was tough because when, I mean, I, that was a moment where I think everyone in the theater audibly gasped. Yeah, because we oh, knew I did the same. we knew from the one trailer you were like, oh, that, she's dead. Like, but we knew from that one trailer that we saw where Kylo Ren was circling in his in his ship that was he, he was kind of her? like yeah. channel Leia, and so I was like, oh god, he is going to be the one to yeah. kill her. And then when it wasn't him, when he backed off and the other fighters ended up doing the deed, I was like, oh my god, this is this is just heartbreaking. And seeing her float out there, it was one of those moments. I thought, I was oh, like, God, they did yeah. kill her and they tricked us. Exactly. That's exactly what I thought, too. And then she came back and it's like, my thought was, okay, a little weird. I would like some context. But at the end of the day, there is no doubt that Leia is She's strong with the Force. Yeah. She is a Skywalker. So I can I give think a it was survival instinct. It. So it's not even when people are like, well, she's not trained with the force. And I was like, yeah, but I mean, like you've seen it. She can feel that stuff across the galaxy yeah. and she, she's dying. All those midi chlorians are going to kick in and save her life. Yeah. I know people are probably Ray's also right not trained that. in the force. And she, she was is able to get the guy the to put the gun yeah. down and leave the, you know, leave the door and let her out and do all this stuff. But, but I, I thought honestly, I actually thought it was great. Um, my thing with the force is like, think, Back, I remember when I was a kid, and I watching them for these for the first time ever. My mom sat me down, and we watched them one each night. And when we got to Empire Strikes Back, and Lucas hanging upside down right before the Wampas comes comes in to to get him, and his lightsabers in the ice, and he stops and he focuses, and the lightsaber starts shaking and it jumps into his hand. I looked at my mom and I went, "I don't understand. How did he do that?" And she was like, "He used the Force." And I was like, "He can move stuff with the Force." You just went with it because then later in the movie, there's a training sequence and Yoda's lifting rocks and or lifts the X wing yeah. and he lifts the rocks. You didn't. I don't think there's a moment in A New Hope where anybody moves anything explicitly. Um, I mean, Obi Wan does the mind tricks and it makes it sound like something falls in the distance. I don't know if they threw something or it's made something fall over. I don't know. Uh, but y- the Force is a thing we never know all the way about, so I'm okay yeah. learning little things here and there. It's mysterious and powerful. Right. And, and that's just it at the end of the day. And as long as the people who are creating these movies are saying that, well, yeah, that's, this could happen in this context, it's going to be what happens. Yeah. So, Well, let's talk about the Ray and Luke stuff then, because we haven't talked about yeah. them at all. Um, I enjoyed all the stuff on the island. Um, I what did, what did you think of the, like, Kylo Ren's backstory with Luke. You know what I mean? Why Luke was there and how it all went down. I like that they played around with seeing the different sides to it. So, uh, of course, Snoke was linking both Rey and I, I liked and scenes, yeah. uh, and Kylo Ren together. So they were, despite being in two different places, they were having conversations as if they were looking right at each other, which was which was very cool. Uh, used a lot of times really well. Uh, and then just that back and forth perception of uh, of Kylo Ren really believing that Luke was trying to kill him. And that's what started the path away from all of his his training and then hearing Luke's side of it. Like I like that there was that conflict in there. That yeah. it wasn't a it's and you know, even in terms of the movie, some people might side 
with Kylo Ren, and some people may I'm side with Luke. Why and I, I like that? I think that Luke is. It was a moment of weakness. Yeah. I, I do agree. Like I, there is like that weakness where you're like, are you really going to kill this kid? And I think even he was just like. He felt an impulse and a thing. What I love about Luke Skywalker, especially in this movie, is that Luke Skywalker is a master Jedi and that he feels still. And that I felt like the master Jedis in episode uh, one and so forth in the prequels, I was like, why does anybody want to be a Jedi? Obi-Wan was always my favorite because I always felt like Obi-Wan was still emotional. Obi-Wan yeah. cared for Anakin. That's why he trained him because of his love of Qui-Gon, you know. And then he became emotionally involved with him in a relationship, essentially, you know, whether that be brothers or father-son or whatever. And it – like I felt like the Jedi are very cold in those. And what Luke showed me is that you can still – be emotional like he felt shame you know he felt things he felt love you know he felt this stuff and i i don't know i i liked his representation of what it meant to master the force better i guess you know yeah it does it is hard because i know major spoiler here you know the big issue people are upset luke skywalker if if they've been watching all of this and still didn't know it was spoiler (laughs) you know it's yeah so luke skywalker does in fact bite it yeah well i i don't i wouldn't even say that he's he, moved he, on he, he moves yeah he moves he like like obi-wan in a new hope where obi-wan takes that moment and says this is it i'm gonna become yeah. one, at one with the force it's kind of the same idea not struck down or killed by anybody but he just you could even argue that obi-wan wasn't struck down exactly or by anybody but um same idea but um i want to there's one thing and i always seen it twice and i still don't understand it what was her dream when she goes in that pit on the island, I was a little disappointed with that because yeah. the force dream that she has in The Force Awakens when she touches the lightsaber is like beautifully made and shot. And then you get this one that's very weird. And I'm not I'm not even talking about style of shooting or whatever, but you know when she's like clapping her yeah. hands and showing the thing? I didn't understand it. And was it Kylie that told me that she was like, I took it as to mean that it didn't mean anything. It was all yeah. about how her parents and everything was part of the story and that it was it was trying to be reflective of how the story seems to keep going on, like history repeating itself. And then at the end. Yeah. Well, I'd actually I even thought about that more after she did say that, too. It's the the thought that that was Luke did not want her to go down that path. It was towards the dark side, mm-hmm. going down into that pit, and not in a in a bad way, but when you cross over to the dark side, there's confusion, there's conflict, and that's essentially what she did travel into. She traveled into this, essentially a labyrinth you, of you sorts. You said something and, that made me think of something too. I, I'm going to say this right now. I, I just I'm just realizing this as you're saying this. Uh, one of the things I think I actually love about the character of Ray is she doesn't have that conflict. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, we didn't... There was never a moment where you were like, Ray's going to turn to the dark side. Like, Luke could have, I guess, or whatever. I haven't felt like that with Ray yet. I yeah. mean, have you? No, 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 not at all. And that's, so. that's why I think she's very strong. Like, sh- I don't know. There's something interesting about that, what you just said. Yeah, but but they're definitely... But that's also the impact that being, being tempted by the dark side, while it was, it was blending off what was happening in reality... At the end of the day, and that's what Kylie's point was. She wanted the whole thing going down there. She wanted to see her parents. It was. It was. And it, it reminded me of when Harry Potter goes to the mirror. Yeah, show me kind my of. parents. But in this one, it ended up being essentially just a trick. Not the dark side, light side can't can't 
show her her parents. But then as we find out later from Kylo Ren, feel it. You've known it all along. Your oh. parents were nobody. And you I've, are nobody. I've read something about this because this is one of the reveals in the movie that are people are either way. I yeah. think it's cool. I think it's interesting. However... The only hesitation I have here, and it might be corrected in the next movie, is that like the Skywalker, it was part of a, it wasn't a part of a, uh, there was this whole prophecy about somebody bringing, uh, well, it might not have been a Skywalker, I guess, because yeah. the prophecy was about somebody bringing balance to the Force. It was supposed to be Anakin, and then we assumed it was Luke, and now maybe it was just Luke guiding that final person that will do it or whatever, but... We don't know yet. Anyway, yeah. that was my that was my only thing, because when Luke goes, you're like, oh, no, Um I mean, maybe it could be could be her. I don't know. Yeah, it, it could be her. I just, but she didn't need to be from someone. Yeah, we all got hyped up thinking that Ray was going to be someone important. Who's her parents? Is it? Could I it be Luke? Could say, it be Obi Wan? Ryan Johnson said he's he wrote that scene as a, and they played it like it was an emotional truth. He said, "I don't know that that will stick. That that somebody won't say he was lying." Yeah. Or that he was just saying, you know, you are trash. You know what I mean? If he was just putting her down or and she was just, you know, feel what you've always felt. It's like in that I like that because it echoes the sentiment from the first movie where she says where Maz Maz says to her, you know, um, you know, feel it. You you know, they're not coming back for you yeah. on the planet. And yeah, and then I, I do like the idea of her being nobody. So I do kind of hope they stick to that. But they could also go back to that. But Ryan Johnson essentially said, like, I wrote it as if that was the truth. I don't know that that will yeah. won't change. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, too, Kylo Ren was trying to get Ray to turn. Mm-hmm. You know, part of uh, we all know the lines. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. Uh, And and so putting these thoughts in her mind, putting these over-emotional things, just like Anakin's downfall. That's you want to try to turn a person based on emotion. He was trying to do what he felt to her. Like he was trying to, he wants to be somebody and he was trying to get her to follow that. Like now yeah. you can be somebody. And uh, I will say this the phenomenal acting, uh, Adam Driver, really oh. just one of those things where you're like, man, they picked somebody who, like, this will be the role of his career, obviously, but. Yeah, I, you know, he's done many good things up to his turn getting into Star Wars. I mean, when they announced the cast, uh, essentially, John Boyega and uh, Daisy, Ridley. Daisy Ridley were the unknowns. And then you had Oscar Isaac, who his he was starting on the the path up of being a very good actor yeah. uh, doing a lot of independent movies and stuff but really making a name for himself Adam Driver same way you know girls kind of put him on the map on a much bigger level but he acted in many movies too mm-hmm. where he was very good uh, even uh, Donald Gleason, you know, he was really, he, out of Actually, nowhere. Him and Oscar Isaac were in that movie together, that Ex Machina. And then yeah. Oscar Isaac and Adam Driver, you told me, were inside Llewellyn Davis together. Llewellyn Davis, yeah. Llewellyn and, Davis, yeah. You I know, still have to see it, but I hear it's amazing. Oh, it, I, I like it. Wasn't everyone's favorite not Coen everyone. Brothers movie, okay. but you know what? Not every one of their movies is for everyone. Yeah. So, but we're not here to talk about yeah. that. Re, back to the point, though, is that. Basically, of the five people that were getting touted as the new people coming in, three of the five were 
I would say, experienced actors. The other two weren't. But I personally didn't see the acting problems in the movie. Yes, there was some bad dialogue written like every Star Wars every movie. Every Star Wars movie. Everyone has bad dialogue. So let's cut the crap on that one. Stop saying that this was worse than others. Stop saying it's the worst since the prequels. Oh, Rogue God, One no was way. very yeah, choppy on Rogue dialogue, one, too. And I'll tell you right now, this movie, Rogue One is not, I know people like it for the aesthetic, the nostalgia, whatever. I it's got major first act problems. Like there is a pointless character. It's got moments. I, I think I still like this better than rogue one. Um, I don't dislike rogue one. I, it's like what you said. I like star Wars, you know? Yes. I don't like the other ones as much, you know, some of them or whatever. And you know, the, you could argue the prequels are flat out. Some of them terrible, but if you cut through the stuff, there's interesting things in there, you know? And so, I don't yeah. want to hear that. I don't think at any moment during the movie it was like, man, this is bad writing. This is bad. Whatever. This is bad. Anything. I, I loved it. And I was genuinely surprised. Do I feel like it was touted? You know, because this movie was very touted. Like, it's turning Star Wars on its head. It's doing whatever. I didn't necessarily feel like no. that when I left. That I was like, my world has been rocked to the core. I mean. No. And it, I don't. Even if we wouldn't have heard that, I don't think it would have been rocked to the core. I think it would have just been. I would have been said there were surprises, you know, in good ways, you know. It's all, all, again, we've said it multiple times. It comes back to expectations. Your expectations might have been out of line. I want to see more Captain Phasma. I do. It has been a wasted character. Number one wasted character in these new trilogies. It's. If you really think about it, why does Captain Phasma need to be bigger? This, again, it just happens. Gwendolyn Christie is a great actress. And if it wasn't for the fact she was in Game of Thrones, I don't think anyone would give two craps about Captain Phasma besides the fact that she's marketed in basically everything. Well, there was that big push for her in the last one, yeah. Yeah. And marketing is, if you follow movies enough, marketing is a beast. I, I wouldn't mind her being in it more, but... She's just like a cog see, in the army. I'd like to She's see not a leader. Be, yeah, I'd like to see... I thought there was like going to be, what is she to Finn? Besides just she was her captain. Yeah. I wanted to see... I want to see a little bit more. And I want to see it pay off. I don't think she's dead. And no, I think that's going to be the recurring thing. She was in a scenario where you thought she was dead in the first one, most likely. Yeah. Comes back... And, you know, start to see it on the run up while Glenda and Kirstie's still in it. She's doing the press for everything. You think she's dead on this one? No, she's she's coming back. Yeah. She absolutely is coming back. A uh, couple more points to make on it. Uh, the humor. A lot of people found it unnecessary. What do you, where do you fall? Oh, no. I, I, I agree with people that say, um, I, I, with uh, how Ryan Johnson views humor in mm-hmm. the Star Wars movies, that, uh, and my mom has said this too. It's, it, and it's the same with like Harry Potter. They're kind of innately funny a little bit, you know. Yeah. You, it's it's like the humor works so well because it's the levity to the drama, you know. Yeah. And it it just it really gives you that moment of relief. And I, I, even just watching the Force Awakens, the, it, it's Han and Chewie, like you know, when he just oh, oh, oh you're cold, you know, like yeah. that's always been there, all that stuff. And I, especially in the Force Awakens, I thought the Force Awakens was very lighthearted, you yeah. know. And it's oh, got it was darker moments, I guess, but. Overall, it just was it was trying to be the skim of the surface of being like, these are all the reasons why we love Star Wars and how we're going to do this right. It was just a movie that proved we can make good Star Wars movies yeah. again. And I think even Empire has got humor in it. And I think that I, I, I will say there was there's like one or two moments where maybe I'm like, well, I don't know. That humor felt a little out of place. But come on, the opening thing where he's like, I'm holding for general hugs. Yeah. I thought that was hilarious. 
And you know what? That's also one thing, too. Clearly, you know, if no one would have laughed in the theaters, and if you're watching it at home, maybe you won't find it funny. Maybe you won't even recognize it as humor. But I think in the theater setting, when you have a full-packed theater, when people start to laugh, you start to realize, you start to see the humor. There is a clear difference between watching a comedy in a full theater with lots of eager people and watching it at home by yourself. So... It's, you have to also take this all in context that, yeah, there is this humor written, but when Ryan Johnson was writing it, maybe he didn't see a lot of the humor in some of this stuff. Maybe he saw it as just like little side one-offs that weren't seen to be like this, and then fanboys are just going, getting all butthurt see, on it. See, one of my it. favorite moments in this movie is kind of a funny moment, and no, it's not the one where he slaps her hand when she's reaching yeah. for the force, you know, although that one I was, that one to me of all the humorous moments, that was, that felt the most, like... I don't know. Like, they probably came up with that in the moment. Yeah. And then they just kept it in. I thought the scene where Luke and Leia come back together and they sit down and she says, and he says something. I forget what she says, but then she says, I changed my hair, you know, or whatever. Yeah. And, and it, I thought that was really funny, but it was also a callback to what Han says to her. He, sa- he says, oh, you changed your hair. And she says, uh, oh, same jacket, you know. Yeah. And he goes, oh, no, new jacket. You know, I, I just, I love that stuff. Like, that to me was like, that was one of my favorite moments because it was such a tender, beautiful scene that has brand new context because of her passing. But it gave you just the right giggle that you needed before yeah. you got real sad. No, and I I follow on Twitter uh, a handle that it's called One Perfect Shot. Mm-hmm. And they they take still frames that oh, they believe her are like kiss- the best. Kissing? They haven't done that yet, but that to me, like that's one. Now I watch every movie looking for that one perfect shot. I think, that- and that one will end up there because that was one of the most beautiful oh. moments in in any Star Wars movie. Oh, I hundred percent agree with you right there. I I, I actually I, I did want to ma- bring that up before we wrapped up too. Is that um, there are a lot of very gorgeously shot moments in this movie. A lot of really interesting. Um, cinematography stuff that kind of it falls in line with Star Wars but also it feels new and fresh you know and one is definitely the fleet coming on crate and I um, loved crate Luke walking out and just like staring them down and the sun's kind of setting a little bit or even just the sunset when Luke's on the stone out the mountain looking at in a, in Luke's kind of theme from Tatooine plays in uh, the two suns are there and mm. it, you know you choke in your throat a little bit because it's just it's beautiful and it sounds wonderful and it looks good but hands down, yeah, the best moment in this film when Luke and Leia see each other and he walks in and just they only say those couple of lines together. But I will tell you, I got goosebumps watching it because I understand that they shot it and did this way and it didn't have this context to it. But I know they had a relationship where they loved each other yeah. in real life. And it's just like he takes her hand and the things they say and he says this thing to her and it's supposed to be about Han Solo but it's also supposed to be about what happens to him but then it's also about her in real life is that when he says nobody's ever really gone and he gives her the dice from the yeah. Millennium Falcon and you're like okay he's saying goodbye to her for real but in the same scene where he feels he hasn't seen his sister in 30 years because he's been or 25 years or whatever 20 years whatever because he's been he's shamed that he turned her sister into this thing yeah and or turned her sister's son into this thing and you know and so like he's just Mark Hamill's performance right there is just so good because you can feel how sad he is but then then on the other side of this it's like watching a scene with a ghost you know it was almost as if she had come back to life just so that Mark Hamill, the human being, could have peace 
with his friend. Yeah. You know, so there's there's just so many layers in what was already a beautifully shot yeah. scene that I, to me, it's like what you said, it could be the best one and maybe any yeah. of them. It, it, but all of the the entire crate battle sequence, you know, they, the, it's essentially the first two-thirds of the movie is this chase film. It's a classic mm-hmm. chase film where then you find out, well, instead of trying to escape, really, they're just, they're going to, they're going to, quietly try to sneak out while they're distracted and they they set up a decoy system and those that do make it to the planet because ultimately uh the first order catches on to what they're doing the ones who do make it are their backs are against the wall they're at this resistance base there is only one way in and one way out so they have to make a stand and it's a salt the salt planet that has then this amazing like red under white. it's basically yeah it's like a crystal core like you know kind of if you've been in a salt mine you you know what i'm talking about but the salt on top that white with those reds just running throughout it and then once ray and chewy save up show up to help save the day from oh, the aerial yeah. and they start flying through the core like you can that do yeah. if is you that go what ride star on, tours yes oh, okay cool because so, i didn't want to watch it yet oh, i was waiting you know once you once they start flying through there and saving the day oh my gosh visually it was you know taking that white and red we've seen it throughout all the marketing white and red yeah as those are the two colors and people are confused well is it going to be because ray changes is yeah. it going to be because luke changes whatever it's just that look of the last part of it and what it's it, also like the color of the oh rebels man, in their it suits is. in the x-wing because it's the white vest and the red suit because it's orange in the original but it's red yeah. in the new i just too, so it's like a, that whole sequence i loved it and then ray ultimately saving them by uh, force when, lifting when the rocks like, away i will oh, 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 oh my gosh okay so th- i wanted to tell you this too they say they refer to luke as the last jedi yeah. in the force awakens he says well we'll find the map that will lead us to the last jedi and i was like oh my god good lord it was there all along yeah and but like i do like that moment where he says i will not be the last jedi yeah. and you're like and she's got the rocks going and now to me it was like oh that pure magic of yeah. star wars but I do have one issue in that scene, though. Uh, when Ray does show up and she's in the gunner position in the Millennium Falcon, it is following the last time we saw her. It is Kylo Ren and Ray trying to force pull the lightsaber from each other. Yeah. And it breaks in half. And we see Kylo Ren, like, clumped up in a ball. And Hux might shoot him. He might not shoot him. And he, like, gets up. And he's like, where's the girl? I just wanted literally two seconds of Ray's body twitching or whatever. Because the explosion goes off and the scene cuts. I would have liked something where it saw- showed her maybe waking up or crawling to the door something where she came to because it's a lot because she was in a ship how did chewie jump back in get her off that ship and do whatever i just would have liked to have at least seen that had happened and i guarantee that's probably a deleted yeah i I feel the exact same way and it's just a weird cut no i under and i've heard a couple people actually say that the same way too is people are really irritated about uh the big battle against kylo ren and luke skywalker it's if no, you but didn't, that's, that's what it's got to be, yeah. too. But if you didn't realize, like, I, I, I guess that it. some people won't, but... I did like, I it, thought, I was like, oh, he yeah. got a haircut and dyed his hair. Yeah, he did <laughs> That's all what that I thought. Because... And I was like, oh, he got a little hairdo before then, he came here. Like, it just, when I saw his his appearance like that, I knew all... I, well, it's like, supposed to be like Return is, of the Jedi or something. He like. is channeling himself there. That's, that is how he's there. He is using the Force to be there. And once he started moving, instead of actually facing off against him, it's like, yeah. See, when he does that twist and he, like, rolled around, I was like, oh, man, this is going to be awesome. It is – I am a little sad because the selfish kid inside of me really wanted to see 
Mark, uh, Luke Skywalker let loose uh, with a lightsaber fight. But then you're like, when he turned his lightsaber on, I, I remember immediately going, why is that lightsaber blue? He has a green one, and he doesn't have the green one anymore either, I guess. But like, it was, it was that was the turn, the turn where I was like, this is something's happening here. But, but you got to think about it. If Luke is the ultimate Jedi, does he even need to raise a lightsaber anymore? You know what I mean? Like, it's, and that's kind of like that point too. Is that you know, Kylo Ren relies so much on his power coming through yeah. these instruments in the fo- in the army and. They're, you know, the other side. The of that. best comparison to that is, and I, I hate bringing up this movie, but in episode two, when Yoda is fighting Count Dooku, yeah. and you know, while it starts off as lightsabers, it gets to the point where it just becomes about using the Force, yeah, is to help fight your battles. And I think, I think Luke, Luke is ultimately there, and also, uh, yeah, I, I, I think it just it worked out better that way. So. I, I think really the only thing we might have left to talk about is the one set of characters that no one knew about going into the movie, whether or not we would love them or hate them. One set. Oh, yeah. I was going to bring this up <laughs> earlier, too. Okay. So. Well, we got to save the best for we, last. Where do we settle on the porks? I love them. I love them, too. Okay. Because just that scene with Chewie. I do feel bad because Chewie and also R2-D2. R2-D2 did nothing this movie except for go, like, be dirty and beep. And Yeah, but I also but kind he, of, I mean, but he doesn't, since he Kenny Baker's really passed yeah. on and he's not there anymore. I mean, I know Peter Mayhew's not in the costume anymore as Chewbacca either. So I, Somebody was trying to tell me that maybe he was sitting down. He did the sit-down scene with the Porgs, and, he, and whenever he's walking around, it's the other guy. Um, my friend DJ said that, but I'm not sure. So I'm not sure. Um, but uh, I'd have to look into that. But but I did think the Porgs were like. What I like is that they were always there in the background, and it wasn't. It was that moment where you're like, oh, here's that weird Star Wars character that's going to show. You know, they always do these weird alien things or whatever. But just when they're like, and the lips like quivering or whatever. And then I also liked that they were. I liked that they weren't like Chewie's sidekick. I liked that they yeah. were infested rodents in the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, well, they, I mean, he saved them. So, of course, he's sitting down getting ready to eat. He has <laughs> two of them, one on, a, one, on a, one on a spit, and the other is he's ready to start chewing in, and then they show up with their little sad faces, <laughs> and, you know, he starts, he feels for them and ends up basically taking them all to safety. I mean, I'm... I'm clearly Team Porg, as you can oh, see from my cell phone, phone case. case. Where did you get that? I got it at I got it at Walt Disney World, so I had to. And Chewbacca that's an iPhone and the 10, Porgs. so you can yeah. get iPhone 10 Star Wars cases. I, I might know, have to. yeah. I only got a plain black one. I'm gonna so, have to go down and see those. But yeah, no, I'm I'm Team Porg all the way. I think they were awesome. They were cute. Uh, it also helped that whole political thing that Ryan Johnson was doing about animal conservation and making political statements, which I actually what? will say. Well, that's one of the things that everyone's like. The whole oh, because of the Kanto, animals, those weird animals, animals that were things. You know what? I was, like, I was like, there's always something getting abused well, in Star Wars. And the thing too is, it's not a political statement. No, it's, it's just don't. It's be not a, a social statement yeah. either. It's the same people who bring this up time and time again are the people who are constantly talking about politics. And well, no, they should have left that out. Why are they trying to make political statements? Oh my gosh! Stop uh, talking to me about politics. The movie is about an empire that has built. Like the movie is rooted in politics. That's the thing, too, and it simplifies it. But that's what all the prequel trilogy was, was all yeah. politics, and the other ones were about characters. Regardless, I do think that this took us into a new area. Um, it will, 
and I know people will be like, oh, what's J.J. Abrams going to do? But that's the delight of Star Wars. What's next? That's the excitement. I'm excited to see what's next. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming Ray's going to be training Jedi's in the end, in the next one, according to that very end of the movie. At least that's what it hinted at. There are other people that are force sensitive that are not yeah. Skywalkers that can be trained to be Jedi's. And uh, so, there was a whole Jedi temple before Anakin went and started slaughtering kids. Yeah. So if, there's more people out there. If. J.J. Abrams, who get, like reignited that passion we had, you know, no, I don't necessarily think it went away, but you know what I mean. He gave us the Force Awakens. Think about what it could do now, where now he doesn't have to play it safe anymore because Ryan Johnson got to play freely, and now he doesn't. He was in a very tight spot. Yeah. Like I have to make it good, but it has to be nostalgic, but it has to be here, but it has to be there, and it's a new company. You know, this whole thing. Think about what he can do now. Yeah, and think about how he's going to be like. Okay, I. And he's a Star Wars nerd, so like we are going to see some awesome stuff in this next movie. If Ryan Johnson proved to us like what you can do, and he's a big fan, like it was reason why he went into movies. Like, you, I just I think that with J.J. Yeah. Abrams, we're just going to get this it's blown out, amazing cap on this. Kind trilogy. of like what he did with the very first Star Trek. He didn't really have to play to anyone mm-hmm. on that. He they were made just like, the movie thing. that he yeah. wanted to make. And then he kind of had to follow suit with the movies he made after, the one movie he made after. Yeah. Uh, but that first one, he really didn't have to answer to anyone because it was completely different. And I think you're right. He he will not play it safe on the final movie. He will he will do something great and it will be different and it will follow what Ryan Johnson started. And that is that star Wars doesn't have to be formulaic at every turn. And I I think ultimately fans are going to appreciate it down the road. Yeah. It's not a thing right now that they might be wild about, but again, looking back on the prequels, everyone was so thirsty for more star Wars that when the prequels came out, they lost their minds over all of them. Yeah. And that's the thing what I'm saying. Give it another shot. See it again now that you know what you're expecting. And you, I'm telling you, I felt completely different the second time I watched yeah. it. The movie moved a lot faster for me that second time. And there are going to be things that you still will never like in the movie. Yeah. You know, there's there's like a moment in The Force Awakens that I don't like, but it's it's really just a blooper. But it's just like it. You gotta. It, it is Star Wars. It is always ever evolving and it changes. And mm-hmm. I don't want as much as I have said repeatedly in this how much I love The Force Awakens. I don't want to see seven Force Awakens. I want to see one Force Awakens. I want to see another movie. And The Last Jedi was the first of these new movies that finally was like, okay, we can start going into new territory like we used to. Yeah. Okay. Um, so rank them. Okay. You want me to start? Yeah. You okay. go first. I would say Empire. Mm-hmm. A New Hope. Mm-hmm. Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. Oh, hi. Return of the Jedi. Force Awakens. Rogue One, then today, I did earlier. I I, we I know the this prequels? is where it's. I I actually watched some of the prequels over the weekend because they were they've been on yeah. TNT all weekend, I, and I rewatched the sequence today just to make sure I felt the way I feel about it. While I understand that like Phantom Menace one, is Phantom. a terrible movie for the most part. I would rather sit through the Phantom Menace over and over again for that Darth Maul lightsaber sequence than watch the other two. So I would go Phantom Menace, Revenge, uh, Revenge of the Sith, and See, Attack like, of the Clones. Last. Um, okay, and when I was a kid, and when we were both we were both children, like when this this Phantom Menace came out, like the age that all the crap stuff in the movie was aimed yeah. at. 
I when it came out on VHS, uh, I watched it every day for like thirty days in a row. I'd watch half of it and I watched the other half the next day. Every day. That's how much I liked it for a long time. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then as I got older, I was like and even then the stuff I didn't like, I was just excited. And it was Star Wars and it was new. And it was like our Star Wars, you know? Although I, I don't want to say that anymore. But uh like <laughs> it uh, for me. It goes definitely Empire. I mean, I know it's like, oh, Empire is everybody's like, but it's story, it's visuals, it's a beautiful looking movie still to this day, you know, and it just has, it, it was the first to really kind of really put those twists out there, you know? Yeah. Um, and for me, I, I'm going to say The Force Awakens, um, just because it really gives me that Star Wars excitement I love. Um I don't know if it's A New Hope and Return of the Jedi or Return of the Jedi and A New Hope. And it's not because I don't like any of those movies. I like them all. I love Ewoks. You don't understand. The first Star Wars thing I ever saw was the Ewok movie. And so it's not about that. It's just I've in recent years been watching A New Hope. And every time I watch it lately, it feels a lot slower than it used to to the me. First, and it's yeah. because the first 30 minutes, movies were paced a lot differently in the 70s. And so there is a lot of... As soon as the opening scene concludes on uh, Leia's ship, the droids are doing stuff on that planet for yeah. quite some time. But I feel the same way about all of the Jabba's palace sequence in, that <laughs> in is Return true. of that's the Jedi. Fa- that's fair. That's fair. You know. Um, so I, I'm going to say I'm going to say New Hope, obviously, because that gave us Star Wars. You know, Return of the Jedi, um, and then uh, wh- where am I at? Rogue One. Oh, oh, well, I definitely... I'm sorry. I don't know where to put you Last said, Jedi. You said earlier that you would put Last Jedi above Rogue One. Oh, so. absolutely. Yeah. So I would I would say... Okay, so let me start with Empire, Force Awakens, um, A New Hope, Last Jedi, Return of the Jedi, mm. Rogue One, 3, 2, 1. Okay. I do like the third one, the best of all the trilogy. It's really the only one that I'll re- repeatedly watch. I don't know why, because, because, because for me, the Revenge of the Sith is, the whole point of the trilogy is in that one movie. It should have been spread out more. I, I understand. I, I just, I am one of those weird people that I think there is. There's nothing wrong. I think the Phantom Menace is almost starting to cycle into it's so bad that it's good territory. Okay. Like, Hayden Christensen is trying so hard, and it's not working, and it's just kind of painful to watch. Oh, and Natalie Portman deserves a terrible – she should have never acted again after that. But watching Jake Lloyd say, and that's pod racing, (laughs) it's like – Yippee! Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Like, there are just so many moments where that – Just disaceable, but that's not what he says. It is so – bad it's funny in point it but then it was the uh, best n64 game ever too you know other than goldeneye it gave us pod racing so um pod racing pod racing <laughs> um i'll give him another shot when i finally get him on blu-ray i told myself to stop like and wait until i get him on blu-ray but um i do think the last jedi could fluctuate in that list for me still because it, it's it's like what craig said you got to let it settle you got to think on it and you got to see it in the grander scope of things i don't know where we're going after this you they, know what I mean? it always fluctuates for a longest time a new hope was my favorite yeah but then it's i've as i've gotten older i've seen different themes in an empire that have just spoken to me more uh they've just they've affected me in different ways like it in my opinion this has nothing to do with anymore and it's just wasting more time not that we have to but like yoda's theme 
his musical theme is, I think, the most beautiful piece of music in any movie ever. Oh, see, that's I, my opinion. I feel that and, way with Luke looking at the sunset in A New Hope. Yeah, you and, know, it's that classic Star Wars theme, but it's, it's like, but it's so sad when Yoda pulls Luke's X-wing out of the swamp, and you just hear the like that. Just it's epitome like, of Star Wars for you. Yeah, it's just that is that is the magic of that movie and all movies. And so while things See, always for me, change, it's the build in 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 Empire when when Han's about to go into the Carbonite and it's just everything is happening and there's so much noise starting and the music's welling up and the, yeah. I love you I know and then he goes in and Chewie screams and it's, it's another one of those moments. Yeah, good yeah. moments in that one. Good but, moments. But it's yeah, it's like what you said. It changes with time, you know. Yep. But, um, you know, thank you for having this discussion. It went on longer than I think we had anticipated. And uh, we obviously want to know what you guys feel about it. Leave some comments uh, below, or you're welcome to tweet at us because you're doing it anyways. I was trying to keep it off of Twitter just because that's more of a public, like, accidentally see somebody's thing. I was giving people a couple days to see this. So like and share this with a friend who's maybe seen the movie. Keep it to yourself. Give it another week or two. You know, I, I try and preserve that movie experience for as many people for as long as I can. I give you two weeks before I start talking to bloopers, but we just couldn't this week. We couldn't. So so yep. thank you for talking Star Wars with me, Craig. Oh, thank you. This could be the, well, this is definitely the last disc pop of the year. It could <laughs> be the last one ever. Who knows? It's like, where do we where do we exist? I don't know. I'm just messing with you. So um, until until next time, uh, that'll do it for this episode of Dispop. <laughs>